Hello, I'm Nassim Da Silva, and welcome to this first episode of Tech Weekly by City AM, a podcast where we discuss the latest news in tech, crypto, fintech, and beyond. I'll be joined by Lily Russell Jones, our crypto reporter, and Charlie Conchi, our investment reporter. Together, we'll offer a fresh and nuanced perspective on the state of tech, discussing the how and why behind some of the biggest stories this week. So Lily, it looks like there's been some interesting news for companies looking to advertise crypto this week. That's right. We've had new rules on digital advertising for crypto assets this week. So on Tuesday, the Treasury said that it was planning to tighten the rules on crypto advertising. Mm. And on Wednesday, a day later, the Financial Conduct Authority gave out some draft proposals on what those rules might look like. Mm. Um, so something they've said is that they need companies to strengthen the risk warnings on adverts for crypto assets to make it clear that the assets are unregulated mm. um, and that they won't be allowing companies to use incentives to encourage people to invest. So, you know, that kind of thing, like a joiner bonus or incentives mm. to get friends to invest, things like that. Yeah, it almost sounds a bit like betting, to be honest, like with uh, with companies, you know, trying to get people into it. It's quite, it, it sounds very, uh, people who are quite naive would be easily fooled into buying crypto. Well, I think that's the FCA's worry because they've said that um, the adverts won't be allowed to be rolled out to mass audiences. So mm. they want them to be restricted to high net worth individuals and experienced investors. So that's going to mean that the reach of some of these adverse adverts is going to have to be scaled back. So do you think it's, uh, I mean, a, a proportionate crackdown to, I guess, like crypto's purported danger for investors, as it were? I mean, it's an interesting one. One of the whole ideas in crypto is that it's meant to be decentralized and yeah. something that everyone has access to. Um, it's on a distributed ledger. So from that perspective, it's, you know, putting financial kind of control back in the hands of the users of the system and back in the hands of the public and mm. away from centralized financial institutions like banks. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you know, some of these companies have issued promotions for assets where they've promised investors yields, which are like <laughs> particularly high in yeah. order to encourage them to invest in the space, but they haven't warned about the risks of cryptocurrency. So there's a sense in which they've been accused of taking advantage of investors' inexperience. Mm, yeah. So one of the, the things that we have discussed, I think, today and over the past few days was the sort of use of Matt Damon as a face for, uh, for crypto advertising <laughs> in the US. And do you think that new regulation, new rules around advertising would prohibit people like Matt Damon from fronting up crypto campaigns then? Yeah, I think that the use of celebrities to promote digital assets and celebrity influencers is coming under more careful scrutiny now. So not just in the UK, but in the US, we've seen that Kim Kardashian and Floyd Mayweather are being sued by investors for their role in an alleged pump and dump scheme. So they promoted a coin called Dubious Ma Ethereum Max and the price plummeted 98% after they promoted it on their social media channels. So obviously that's really upset a lot of investors who have been left out of pocket. So it's something the FCA will probably be thinking quite seriously about. Are regulators in other countries doing similar things as the UK? Yeah, we've seen a couple of moves by regulators in other countries even this week. So Spain's National Securities and Market Commission uh, mm. were given powers to crack down on crypto advertising. Mm. We've also seen the same thing from mar um, the market's authority in Singapore. Mm. Um, one thing that's happened this week is that crypto ATMs have been forced to close. So because they give people access to crypto trading in public spaces, mm. they've been shut down. 
And so our next big story, which is about a change to the pension charge cap consultation. Um, Charlie, what's been going on there and what has that got to do with tech? So you're going to have to bear with me slightly on this. I know this is a, a tech podcast and a slightly <laughs> roundabout way of getting into it, but uh, the government has closed its consultation this week on the pension charge cap. Um, and essentially, this could be a really big thing for tech investment in the UK. It could unlock a huge amount of money from the pension scheme, um, which is a, around 2.58 trillion in that pension scheme in the UK, mm. um, and sort of allow that to be channeled into UK tech businesses. Um, so look at the kind of stats around tech investment, fintech investment in the UK. They are you know, quite impressive, encouraging as at 11.6 billion um, into UK fintech last year, 25.5 billion into sort of venture capital into London tech. Um, so it looks on the face of it very booming. But mm. when you sort of look at where the money's going within that, um, there is this kind of gap in the middle uh, for what we call growth businesses. So sort of businesses that are looking good from going from being little precocious startups into kind of big multi-billion dollar companies. So ministers have essentially been pushing for and kind of backing this relaxation of the pension charge cap, which could allow uh, pension fund managers to invest in things like venture capital and private equity, which then could be channeled into tech businesses, into growth businesses, into areas of um, investment that are traditionally sort of out of reach of pension money. Mm. Um, so this isn't kind of a madcap theory for me. This is something that a lot of big <laughs> tech leaders have been calling for. Um, we right. spoke with Ron Khalifa this week, who authored the, the sort of major government review of fintech last year. Um, he was kind of saying how significant this was for UK entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, he, he was calling for a, just a small portion of that money, that 2.5 trillion to be diverted into high growth tech businesses. Um, he, he sort of framed this as a way of creating jobs and prosperity in the future. Mm. Uh, tech Nation, another big industry body recently said it was time for, for pension managers to really throw their weight behind UK tech because um, a lot of the investment tends to come from overseas and therefore a lot of the benefit tends to go overseas as well. Mm. Um, and we, we spoke with some experts in venture capital at law firm Eversheds who said that a loosening of the cap would really be vital um, to allow British tech businesses to compete on the world stage um, and close that gap in kind of billion dollar valuation businesses that exist between, say, the UK and the US. Mm. Um, so it is, although sounding quite tangential to our tech discussion, <laughs> um, it is potentially a, a really big thing. Yeah. And, and so do you think that um, a lot of this money is going to go into tech. I mean, what I mean, would you reckon the proportion of of, of that two point five trillion pounds will go into go into tech? So the defined contribution pension schemes that people pay into in the workplace, um, there has been calls for a kind of just a, a designated ten percent, whether it's oh, right. of, of that to go into um, things like venture capital and private equity, and right. just a portion of that being channeled into these. Um, these different kind of areas of investment. So does this mean that people's pensions are going to be exposed to higher levels of risk? So there would be safeguards put in place is my understanding of it. I think it would be a small portion of overall defined contribution schemes that would be kind of channeled into things like private equity and venture capital. Um, and it's something that's received backing um, from ministers as well. Guy Oppenman, the pensions minister, said it has a kind of opportunity to deliver better returns for, for members of those pension schemes. Um, and I mean, the fact that venture capital and private equity is a, a sort of booming area in, in the UK anyway would show that, you know, there is a potential for high returns here for members of those pension schemes. So is, uh, is tech in general having much of an impact on pensions? And do you think it's changing the way that people save? 
So I think there's a there's a bit of an interesting wider shift where people are taking a lot more interest in their pension, where that money is going and what it's mm. being invested in. Mm. Uh, and there's some quite high profile campaigns like Make My Money Matter, uh, which Richard Curtis is kind of heads up, um, basically campaigning for UK pensions to be channeled into green investment. Mm. Um, so people are becoming more engaged with it. And I think therefore there's a, a sort of few different tech firms which are now filling that gap and allowing people to kind of see um, whether it's via an app or online platform to see where that investment is going. Um, interesting couple of stats over the last couple of days was Pension B, uh, which is a, a listed um, fintech firm, which is an online pension provider. Mm-hmm. Their revenues grew um, 103% um, in the last year after listing mm-hmm. last year. Um, so I've seen a, a real kind of um, expansion there. And a big part of that is their sort of fossil fuel free pension plan. Mm-hmm. Um, which again is, is seeing a, a massive amount of demand just because people want to know that it's going into into the right things. Um, and similarly, we just covered a, a funding round for a firm called Cushion today, uh, which is a £35 million funding round. Um, and their kind of big mission is to, as the founder described it to me, shake up um, boring and complicated UK pensions and essentially, again, give um, savers a bit more of a a view as to where their money's going. Mm, I feel like we're seeing more of an ethical shift in terms of investing. And yeah, no, it's interesting stuff. And so there's been there's also been some fairly dramatic news recently too, Lily, with the CEO of Modes, a UK fintech, resigning. So the chief executive of UK fintech Mode has resigned after just nine months in the role. Um, It comes after there was backlash for a controversial announcement by the company that it was going to be offering customers of Boots, Ocado and Homebase cash back in Bitcoin. Um, And it was supposed to have partnered with an additional 40 retailers in the UK to provide customers with Bitcoin cash back. And then the retailers basically on the day of the announcement said that that wasn't the case and that they hadn't agreed to partner with Mode. So that was a fairly damaging and quite embarrassing saga for the company. Mm. And do you think it can recover now that its uh, stock has plummeted so far? Yeah, so basically the stock has really been in a a bit of a nosedive. So once they announced that there was going to be a personnel change at the top of the company, the London Stock Exchange issued four price monitoring extension notices, which is what they do in times of kind of extreme volatility Mm. to try and keep orderly kind of trading happening Mm. um, because the shares fell about 16% at the open. Um, They're flat today and they've come up a little bit. So it looks like investors are responding positively to the news that there's been a personnel change. Mm. But, you know, it's not not good news for mode essentially. And I think that with with the CEO stepping down, it's brought the story back into the media a bit. So was there any explanation given as to how they came out of the statement they'd partnered with these retailers? What was the what was the mistake? Where did it all go wrong? Yeah, so they actually interestingly they issued a clarification on the London Stock Exchange in November, so the day after they made this announcement, and they said technically what we said was true, um, but essentially what had happened was that they had partnered with an affiliate program, and then I think that these retailers had been connected to the affiliate program in some way, which meant that if they didn't opt out, then this could have basically come into effect further down the line. Mm. But as the retailer said at the time, they were never approached directly about it and they had no intention of following through with it. So there was obviously a bit of a mix up there. 
Okay, well, I'm going to have to bring this conversation to an end. Uh, but thank you both for being on the podcast. It's been a very insightful discussion. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you've all enjoyed. And uh, see you all next week. <laughs>